Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. That's what I'm talking about. Now that's how we're going to go into Columbia this year, amen? That was awesome. Listen, the power of a few should never be underestimated. 300 Spartan warriors held off the army of 46 nations under the leadership of 13, or 30 Persian generals in a narrow passageway in Thermopylae. When Xerxes saw the ability of the Greeks, he looked for another way to conquer them, and through the mouth of a traitor, Xerxes would find a learn of a secret passage that would allow his army to surround the Spartans and destroy them. Unlike the Spartans, you and I will never be defeated by darkness because we have God on our side, and when we have God on our side, if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen? That's what we're going to see in our text this morning. If you have a Bible, open up to Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. If you're a guest with us this morning, we want to welcome you. We're so grateful that you've come to worship us with us this morning. And uh, if you're joining us on live stream, we want to welcome you. Would you join in uh, just welcoming everybody online? We want to welcome you. I know my buddy Jan Mayberry is watching online, and uh, we're praying for you, Jan. We know you're in the hospital, and we've been praying for you, so keep him in your prayers. Uh, also, uh, if uh, you're listening to this podcast later, we want to welcome you as well. Uh, we are coming to the end of, our, of the study of the uh, book of Joshua here in a series that I've entitled Arise, and the, the sermon series stemmed from the vision that God had given us for 2017, which was to take back our city, to take back our city. God is calling us as believers to arise in this time, in this day, in this city, to take it back for the glory of God. It belongs to Him, and He's given us that promise, and so we want to, uh, you know, what a great place to, to kind of learn what we ought to be doing as it relates to that when it comes to when God calls you to do something or He calls you, you know, to, to follow Him in some way, you always want to look in the Word to see if there's an example of that because that becomes sort of the platform for us to be able to, and, and, you know, to follow. And as we look at Joshua, it is the perfect platform. It's the perfect example of what it looks like for someone to go into a land and take it back. I can tell you that the key thing that I've learned in the book of Joshua is the fact of the matter is the battle belongs to the Lord and that we never want to get ahead of God. We never want to start to take our own route. We ever, never want to start to form our own plan because that will cause failure. But if we stay behind the Lord, allow Him to forge the path, and we, we, we show up to the battle when He says and how He says, we cannot fail. You cannot fail as a Christian when you follow God in that manner. When you wait on Him, when He starts to deploy His plan and He tells you exactly what to do and how to do it, you cannot fail. He is perfect and he never fails. It's been incredibly refreshing for me to go through this and, and learn that simple thing that we all know already, but it's good to be reminded of. Wait on the Lord. Allow him to reveal his plan. And in his timing, victory will be sure. It's the lesson I've learned so far. Listen, you and I are not going to do that perfectly. Just as the children of Israel did not do it perfectly. But here's the other key is that when you, when you learn that you've gotten out in front of God, be quick to run back to God. And that's what we saw in Joshua chapter 8 as they went into uh, the land of Gibeon and they thought, oh, we can take this no problem. Only 3,000 guys. We'll just send a, a small contingency of guys up there and we'll, we'll, we'll battle them, no big deal. Everybody else can just sit home. And yet they failed because they got ahead of God. The awesome thing about that was they realized that very quickly. They didn't continue to try and forge ahead like you and I do, right? We get ahead of the Lord and we continue to try and, oh, just work it out. God's in this, man. He's going to do it. And you keep falling on your face and the Lord is trying to say to you, hey, I'm not in it. Back out. That doesn't mean that everything you will do will look like victory either. Don't, don't get me wrong. But understand, when, when God forges the path, you, it will be a sure path and you'll just continue to walk on it. It doesn't mean it won't be easy. As we'll see today, the difficulty of what they end up doing was physically, you know, very enduring. It, it cost them a lot to do. And yet, they had the victory. 
And so when you find yourself out ahead of the Lord, the, the right next step, like we talked about last week, was to just run right back to get to God, get with God, get right with God, and make sure you're going on his, on, on his, in his timing, in his strength, because the battle belongs to the Lord. And that's what we see this morning. In Joshua chapter 10, God goes to war and makes the po- impossible possible. I'm calling this message Defying Darkness. Defying Darkness, because... God has, from the foundation of the world, been defying darkness with His marvelous light. We see it right in the very beginning of the book of Genesis, chapter 1, where it says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. He just battled darkness with His words, and He won. Listen, He is battling every stronghold. Darkness is fortified. There is no protection against darkness when it comes to the Lord. God has... Uh, let his word be known that darkness shall not overcome light and it shall be as he says. Listen, you can have confidence in that this morning, Christian. You can have confidence that darkness cannot stand against you because God is light and light always overcomes the darkness. Darkness stands no chance against the Lord and therefore it stands no chance against you and I. Not because we are mighty warriors because he is a mighty warrior did you know that about god i mean he's a god of love yes but did you know that the bible calls him a man of war our god is a warrior exodus chapter 15 verse 3 it says this the lord is a man of war the lord is his name also in isaiah chapter 42 verse 13 it says the lord goes out like a mighty man like a man of war he stirs up his zeal He cries out, he shouts aloud, he shows himself mighty against his foe. God is a God of love, yes, but he also is a God of war. He is a mighty warrior, and every enemy will fall to his feet. That is true. Therefore, darkness stands no chance against him. That means when he's fighting for you, darkness stands no chance against you. Because He is with you, He is fighting for you, and you have victory in Him. That's what God told Joshua to tell the, or told Moses to tell the children of Israel before every battle. He told them, I want the pre, let me just read it. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1 through 4. When you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an and army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when you draw near to the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes uh, with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. It doesn't matter how big the army is that you face because you have someone bigger. Can I get an amen? Because we all face big, big trials at times. And it looks like from the physical eye, we may be defeated. But the fact of the matter is we will not. And so whenever you encounter something bigger, then you're able to really you know, look at, you need to bring the God factor into it. We should bring God into everything that we're doing. But when we encounter those things that are about to level us, we need to remember that our God is bigger and that he is able and he's fighting for you and he is with you and you can stand behind him. It's the picture of the little boy that stand, you know, in front of, there's some a crowd of kids that are getting ready to beat him up and he's, he mans up and he's going to stand up next to him and then they start getting shaky and they all flee and and he turns around and there's a bigger, his dad or somebody standing behind him, you know. That's the picture. We are not mighty, but he is. And he gives us the victory. Listen, the Bible tells us no weapons shall be formed against you, shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, Christian, because God is greater. And we can trust that. He is the defier of every form of darkness and he will be victorious in every battle. There's three things that I want to show you uh, regarding defying darkness in our passage this morning. The first thing that we notice is defying darkness is 
about defying darkness is that darkness doesn't always accept defeat. Darkness doesn't always accept defeat. Stand with me if you would, please. We're going to read the first five verses of Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, we read, And as soon as Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai and had devoted it to destruction, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, he feared greatly, because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were warriors. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, to Piram, king of Jarmuth, to Jephiah, king of Lachish, to Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, and let us strike Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, gathered their forces and went up with all their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you for shining light into our dark places, Lord, and gaining, giving us victory through the cross, through Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. This morning, Lord, we are here, and no doubt we all are battling darkness in our life. And God, we need to hear from you this morning. We need to understand the power that's been given through the cross and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we might defy darkness in our lives, Lord. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And so this morning, God, we want to be open and honest with you and we want to see your spirit move in our midst. So we humble ourselves, Lord, and we ask that you have your way in us, Lord. We know that every ounce of darkness will eventually be revealed. Let us this morning, Lord, allow you into those areas in our life that we need your light. We need your strength. Where we need your victory. Where maybe fear has overtaken us. Maybe it's not some sin that we are stuck in, but maybe it is a fear that we are faced with. This morning, Lord, would you help us to see that you are the God that slays Goliath? And so would you help us this morning to see all that you would desire for us to see, and would you teach us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Fear is an interesting emotion. We get, it, it, it elicits two responses from us. You know this, no doubt, fight or flight. When we become afraid, our bodies automatically release this hormone called adrenaline, and it gives us the ability to either fight the battle that we're faced with or to flee from it. It's not something you have to think about. It's something that automatically happens. God has, has built you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God has designed you in that way. That this hormone would just release at the right time and you would have the ability to do what you need to do in that moment. Now, we have a, we have a choice to make when that happens. Which one will we do? Will we fight or will we flee? As we come into Joshua chapter 10, we find that Adonai Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, is faced with this very thing. His adrenaline is flowing. Now he has a decision to make. Will I fight or flee against Israel? He understands who they are and what they've done, and he's afraid. And so that adrenaline's kicked in. The question is, what will he do? Will he fight or flee? When he realizes that Gibeon had aligned themselves with Israel, he, he becomes seized with fear and uh, because Gibeon was a much greater city than Ai, he understood who they were and that the fact is that they were great warriors, which goes to show us that uh, you know, when Gibeon surrendered to the Lord, they surrendered not because they were mighty, because they were smart. It wasn't that they didn't have warriors in, in their camp or they didn't have the capacity to fight against Israel. They just understood that they were losing already. Like they step on the battlefield, they lose. Sometimes darkness does understand that it's defeated. 
you and I here today, we were once dark people. We understood at some point in your life, hopefully, you understood that you needed light, that you were going to be defeated eventually by the light, and so you surrendered to the light who is God through Jesus Christ on the cross, and you accepted the forgiveness that you needed. And, and, and there was a transformation that happened instantaneously. You went from darkness to light. You went from a dark place to a light place. You became light yourself. Jesus said, you know, just as he is the light of the world, now you become the light of the world because you were once dark and now you've become light. Well, not everybody does that though. Not everybody recognizes that they're defeated before they step onto the battlefield. And people will go through their whole lives fighting against fighting for darkness, not even realizing that they are dark themselves and, and eventually that they will be conquered by the Lord. Every person on planet earth will stand before God one day and give an account. Darkness will always be addressed. And the question is, do you want to surrender or do you want to be toppled? Do you want to be routed by the Lord? Gibeon surrendered to the Lord. They chose the right thing. But look at the response of Adonai Zedek. He says, no, no, we're not going to surrender. We're going to fight. So he chooses to fight against Israel. Now, he's smart enough to know that he can't fight this battle on his own. And so he corrals up these other four kings in the southern Canaan, and he tells them, hey, let's, let's stand up against, against Gibeon. Let's go take them out. It's not Israel that they're fighting. You understand that? It's Gibeon. They're going against those who have aligned themselves with the God of Israel. It's an interesting picture here because Adonai or Adonai uh, Zedek, literally his name means, you can write this in your Bible, the Lord of Righteousness. Adonai uh, Zedek the Lord of Righteousness. Now, here's the interesting thing. Where does he reside? He's the king of Jerusalem. He is not the Lord of Righteousness. He's the Lord of Darkness. He is dark. He's a picture of the Antichrist here who will one day reign and rule in Jerusalem, who will step into the temple one day and reveal himself as, as the Christ, the one that Israel has long been waiting for. Jesus said it in Matthew 24, 15 through 16. He said, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by uh, the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader he understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. The holy place is the temple that will eventually be rebuilt in Jerusalem. And one day, the Antichrist will step into that temple and he will reveal himself and say, I am God. Worship me. And, and through that whole process, people, he'll, he'll, he'll pull nations and, and, and people together to fight with darkness against the light. He is a picture of the Antichrist. Now, Gibeon is a picture of the end time saints who choose to align themselves with the God of Israel. They understood they were defeated, so they chose to align themselves with Israel. These, are, these guys represent end time saints uh, who, who will walk away from the Antichrist and his false religion and economy and all of that, and they will choose to follow God. When they do that, the Antichrist will hunt them down. And in fact, it says in Revelation chapter 13, verse 7, it says this, also it, speaking of the beast who is the Antichrist there, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. So those who live during that time, during the tribulation period, God allows the Antichrist to to, to come and conquer the saints, those people that are, have, have given you know, their lives over to the Lord. And we know that those uh, people will transition into heaven primarily through the spilling of blood by the giving of their lives. And so the Antichrist is going to come against anyone who aligns themselves against God or with God. Adonai Zedek is the Antichrist of Joshua, uh, Joshua chapter 10. And perhaps you're wondering who the Antichrist is today. If you've spent any time in Christian circles and you talk about prophecy at all, the question comes up, well, who do you think the Antichrist is? 
Well, who do you think the Antichrist is? I think it's the Pope. I think it's Obama. I think it's whoever. I don't know who you think the Antichrist is. Frankly, I don't care who the Antichrist is because I'm looking for Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one that I'm looking for. I, I love Pastor Chuck said that a long time ago. He said, we're not looking for the Antichrist. We're looking for Jesus Christ. We're longing to see Jesus come. And as the church, we are, we are dispensationalists, or Calvary Chapel in general is a dispensationalist. They, we believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. So we don't believe that we'll be here when the Antichrist reveals itself. But even if we were, you really think you're going to be able to know who the Antichrist is today? Well, I think it was Stalin. I think it was Hitler. I think it was who this person or that person. Listen, the enemy is so slick and he's so deceitful that this person will slime their way up and they'll just appear and you'll be like, who's that guy? That's how I think it'll be because the enemy is deceitful and he understands that we know as the church, those who have the Spirit of God in us, we see through the facade that we can understand these things. But there will be a great delusion during this time and many, many people will side with the Antichrist. But those who stand with Christ will give their life up for Him. They will give their life up for, them, for Him. This is a picture of the battle that is yet to come one day where you have Adonai Zedek who is aligning himself, pulling all these kings together. Let's go against those who align themselves with the God of Israel. Listen, just as the Antichrist will attempt to snuff out anyone who follows Jesus, so too is Adonai Zedek attempting to wipe out those who align themselves with the God of Israel because darkness doesn't always accept defeat. You don't think when you walk into a room that darkness is going to bow down to you, do you? It doesn't happen that way. And yet victory is ours, right? And, but the fact of the matter is, Darkness doesn't always lay down. Sometimes it does, but not always. Oftentimes I find the darkness that I face wants to rise up and battle me. And what do I do in that moment? How do I, how do I face that battle? Well, I run to the Lord because the battle doesn't belong to me. And so oftentimes when we face darkness, we're, we're evangelizing to somebody, or we're trying to share our faith with somebody, and we're trying to do the battle and we're forcing them, don't you see it? It's right here. How could you miss this? Jesus came to die for you. You're going to go to hell. And people start pushing darkness further and further away. This, the, the, you know, it's the proverbial wall that continues to go up. The harder you press in. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying if it's the Lord, then do it. But let the Lord fight those battles. You can't save your family members. You can't save yourself. Only Jesus can do that. And so we stand behind him in those moments in our life when darkness rises up against us. Darkness doesn't always accept defeat. Secondly, we see darkness will appear mightier, but it will not stand against the Lord. Look at verse 6 there in Joshua chapter 10. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gil in Gilgal saying, Do not relax your hand from your servant. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came, up, came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal. And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon, and chased them uh, by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon, and struck them as far as Azekah and Makeda. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth Haran, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were no more, uh, there, were, uh, there were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day. Uh, when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Aijalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. 
There has been no day like it before since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. So Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. Notice the people of Gibeon. They were mighty warriors, and yet they didn't try and stand against the darkness that they were about to battle. They called out, they cried out to Joshua, who is a picture of who? He's a picture of Jesus, right? Joshua, his name, Jesus, it also can be translated Joshua. He is a picture of Jesus Christ, the Savior. They cry out to Jesus, to Joshua, the, jo the Jesus of the Old Testament, and say, save us. We need saving. And just as Jesus Christ has done for you and I in coming down from heaven to earth to save us, Joshua then runs to, Gi to Gibeon and helps them. In verse 8, it says, the Lord gives a command to Joshua, do not fear. Why would he say that? Why would God say, do not fear? It's because darkness will appear mightier than us at times. Listen, you're going to face things in your life that are way bigger than you. That perhaps will challenge you to think that maybe they're even bigger than God. Maybe this thing, this disease that I have, this this circumstance that I find myself in, this battle that I'm facing is maybe too big for anyone. And you can lose hope. But God will tell you in those moments, do not fear. Do not fear. Have faith. Stand up. Don't lay down. Don't give in. Don't give up. Stand behind me. And I will fight the battle. It's the same issue the Greeks face or face within Thermopylae, a small army against a massive army. That can produce some fear. Listen, darkness will always appear mightier through the physical eye. But listen, when we see darkness through the spiritual eye, it's nothing. Nothing. Do you know one day when you see Satan through the, eye, through the spiritual eye, you're going to say, you? You fooled the nations? Are you kidding me? You, you did that. Why? It's not because Satan isn't mighty. It's not because Satan isn't powerful. It's because God is bigger. And when you see Satan in the light of God, there is no comparison. You're going to say, oh my gosh, why was I so afraid? What did I have to be afraid of, Lord? And I believe that God can cause us to see him in that light today. I believe that God wants you to see him bigger in your life. Every one of us in this room, no matter where we find ourselves on the journey of faith, God wants to reveal himself as bigger in your life. He is bigger. You're going to face bigger things. The more faith that you have, the more challenging it will become, but you continue to press in. That's why we never want to be stagnant in our walk with the Lord. Because you, you, when you rise to, to a certain level of faith, that is the expectation. You want to continue to go. You want to, you know, you want to continue to progress. And if you don't, then you will eventually face a battle that will topple you. You cannot stay stagnant in your walk with the Lord. You have to grow. It's imperative that you grow. That's how you overtake darkness. That's how the battle becomes less in your eyes. As you continue to grow in the Lord and you see how big He is. We have to remember that God is the, the one who's fighting the battles. Here God tells Joshua, do not fear. Why? Because you're great, Joshua, and because you're such a mighty leader, and you're really good looking, and you know, all these things, and you have biceps and stuff, abs and all that kind of stuff. That's why you shouldn't fear, man. You know, you see those guys on that, that you're like, yeah! But that's not true. Joshua's probably some weakling, some stringy-looking dude, that was just a pencil of a man. And he was afraid of the, you know, and the Lord says, don't be afraid. Why? Because I've given them over to you. Not because you're mighty, but because I'm mighty. I've done it. He says in the past tense, I have given. And that's the same for you and I today. You are in the past tense battle. The present tense battle that you are fighting is past tense for you. You understand that? It's already won for you. You don't have to win the battle because it's already done. He's given you that through the cross. All victory. 
And so you can rest in that truth if you choose to. But, or you can try and fight the battle on your own. And let me tell you something. You stand against darkness on your own and you will fail. You will not be able to do it. God has given these kings and their armies over to Joshua. He has given them the victory over darkness. And he's given you and I the victory over darkness in our lives through Jesus Christ. Darkness doesn't stand a chance, folks. God tells Joshua, victory is yours if you do what I say when I say. That's the other thing. We try and forge and do our own thing even though we have the victory and we're claiming the victory in Jesus' name. We're covering it in the blood, but yet we're outside of the will of God. We're saying, oh God, we're going to do it this way, but we're covered, man. We're praying. We're, we're covering it in the blood of the Lamb that's overcome, right? So we should have victory. That's not the way it works. You do it when He says it, how He says it. You don't get to choose all these things. Remember, you enlisted in an army. You're not the commander. You're a soldier. You get to follow instructions. You don't get to choose the battle strategies. You don't get to choose when you attack somebody and when you don't. You don't get to choose the words that you say. He's done all that for you. We don't have to be super creative, do we? I think he's given us 66 books that we can uh, quote out of any one of them and tell somebody about Jesus. You don't have to be super creative. Don't. Please don't. That's where you get in trouble. When you start getting super creative with God's Word. Just let it be what it is. Use it the way that He called you to use it. Just speak it out. Listen, we don't get to choose the strategy. He told us to go into all the world and to make disciples. And so He's deployed you in, a, in, in Columbia, Tennessee, in all the surrounding areas around here, he's deployed you to go and do his work. So be a good soldier and follow his instructions. Don't try and stand on your own. Don't be some strategic, you know, special forces person that thinks that he's Rambo, please. You'll fail. Gibeon was full of mighty warriors and they recognized the battle is great. But we're going to call on Joshua to come save us. And the Lord said, Joshua, the battle is yours. It is yours. Now, notice this, Joshua. This was, this was a physically exhausting battle. It had to have been. They start in Gilgal, 25 miles away from Gibeon, right? 4,000 feet below Gibeon. They climb and, and walk and rush to Gibeon all night long where there is a rested army that is ready for battle. I mean, it's really a recipe for disaster. They've been up all night. They're, they're, they, they've been, it's an arduous you know, journey. It's dangerous. It's difficult. They're not going to be at their best. I love when God does that. He doesn't let us be at our best when we need to be at our best before the greatest battle that we will find because he wants us to know it's him. And so he says, you guys travel all night long. You get just exhausted when you get there. And go, okay, we're ready to battle now. You know, and the Lord says, and I will give them in your hand. And listen, before a sword was even drawn, God spun them into confusion. He started throwing haymakers, two of them. He said, you know what? Confusion. And they were confused and they started to panic. No doubt probably drawing them swords against each other even. They started to panic. They were fearful. Like the picture of the boy that's standing with the big man behind him. That's the picture. They became panicked. Not only that. But it also says when they, as, as Joshua and the boys came out with the swords and started to slay them, they ran. They flee. Their, their, their fight turned into flee, into flight in that moment when fear sees them here. And the Lord, as they are descending down from Gibeon by way of Beth Haran, God just starts to hail stones down upon them and starts to pummel them. Now, if you're Israel, you've got to be thinking, this is awesome. I'm not doing anything. The Lord is fighting the battle for me. And yet, there can be this danger 
can be this something inside of you that wants to help him out. Well, God, I'm going to do it this way. So let me help you out, God. Don't do that. Just let him fight the battles. He's doing that in, in their lives. And he is winning the battle for them. Then comes the greatest miracle, one of the greatest miracles ever told in the Bible. Where God takes something physical that is so consistent, that never fails. The moon and the, and the sun, the rising and setting of the sun. Is there anything more consistent than that that you could think of? It rises and falls every day. And at the word of Joshua, is saying, Sun, stand still. It says that the Lord heeded the voice of the man. And that the physical things became not a problem for him because he was operating in the spiritual realm. He was operating in faith. That's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual gift. And he just commanded, Son, you stand still. Just like Jesus when he was standing on the raging waters and he said, peace, be still, and the waters just whoosh. The Sea of Galilee turned into a lake. Totally stilled. I want you to notice something. In verse 14 it says that there has never been a day like it before or after it. And I think that's important. I think God put that in there for a reason. Because there are those that would walk around commanding God to do things. In Jesus' name, of course. So that makes it totally biblical. But understand that God is the designer and master of all things. And He knows what He's doing. And what He did here wasn't for Joshua's benefit. It was to fulfill His will. You understand that? It wasn't because Joshua was mighty and powerful of, and full of faith that he was able to command the sun to stand still. It was because that was the will of God. And people get that mixed up in our day and age. Maybe you've heard that, the, this whole positive confession thing or name it and claim it or whatever it is, you know, that you, whatever you say, it is as, it, as you say it is. And that's unbiblical. And so we, you know, we, but here's the deal. What can happen which has happened to a whole section of believers in the church, is they go to the direct opposite side of that and they don't ask for anything because God is sovereign and He does whatever He wants. That is not biblical either. So what is biblical in these circumstances where we find ourselves, we need God's help in a situation, we know that the battle belongs to Him and all these things, and yet there is this partnership between God and man. How do we deal with that? The Bible says we ask. Multiple times in the Word of God does it say that we're to ask God. We're to ask Him for help. We're to ask Him for healing. We're to ask Him for, you know, provision. We're to ask Him for these things. We're to pray to Him. We are not to command Him. But we should ask Him. We should have such a relationship with God that we are free-flowing with Him and we're, we're, we're asking Him for help just as Gibeon, who, by the way, just kind of got to know them and it was in a very deceptive way, probably wouldn't be asking for anything if I was them at this point, but, you know, they're in dire straits. So they ask. And God is telling you today, because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, that you can come freely into His throne room. You can ask Him anything. You can ask Him for anything, but you can believe Him for anything. But understand, it all boils down to His will. What is His will for you in that situation? We cannot command sickness to leave our bodies. We cannot command uh, these things to happen if it's not the will of God. Only by the will of God can anything in this world happen. And so we want to have that balance. We don't want to be to this side where it's all about faith. And we don't want to be on this side where it's all about the sovereignty of God but we want to be right in the center, whoa, right in the center where we say, God, I'm believing for it, but I'm trusting you. I'm believing you for this situation in my life to happen because I know you're bigger than this, but I'm trusting that you know what's best. 
And that's how we deal with these circumstances that we come into in our lives. We say, Lord, you know what's best. And if you, if you need me to go through something because it's going to press me closer into you, then hey, I'm all for it because I want to grow. I want to become more like Jesus. And you know what it takes for me to become more like Jesus, Lord. You know that I need a little trial in my life. You know that when everything's going smooth, I start to skate. I start to become stagnant. So I need a little of that in my life. So that's why James said, you know, don't consider it pure joy when you, when you encounter these various uh, you know, trials because those trials are going to produce Christ-like character in your life. And that's a great thing. And we're okay with that. And that's the will of God in your life. Listen, if God didn't ever want you to ever go through a trial, you wouldn't. Fact. Because He's sovereign. If God didn't ever want anything to happen in your life, uh, He wouldn't let it happen. But He does allow things to happen in our lives for a reason. He allowed Gibeon to deceive Israel into coming into a covenant relationship that was not, you know, in our day and age, big deal. You know, I got married. I said a vow. That means nothing. It's, the agreement's not a big deal. But in this culture, when you made a covenant with somebody, it was lasting it was lasting till whenever that term came up. And there was no term in this thing. We see later, as I talked about last week, where Saul slays some of the Gibeonites and he, seven, seven of his sons die because of it, because of the covenant that was made with Israel. Although Gibeon did that deceitfully, God honored it. And here's the deal. He wouldn't have not have allowed that to happen if it wasn't going to work in his plan. You understand that? He had a plan in it. And everything that happens here, the sun standing still in those moments, he would not have allowed it to happen if it didn't fit in his plan. There are things that you're going through in your life that you're questioning, that you wonder, God, why are you allowing this to happen? And he is using it to fulfill his plan in your life. And he's building you up. And you're saying, I don't want to grow like that, Lord, but it's the only way you can grow. Let's, be, let's face it. Let's be real. You will not grow if you don't have to grow. We will skate, we will sit back and we'll just proclaim the, the, the blood of Christ over whatever it is and we won't, we won't go through hard things. Why would you? And God doesn't want to take us through hard things, but again, it's, that's the way we grow. And so here we find that, that God literally defies darkness here. And he stops the sun in the sky for about a day, it says. How amazing that would have been. And, and Israel just, just has a heyday. They just are slain. These southern uh, Canaanite uh, armies, they're just, they're just having their way with them. Now, no doubt there was some faith building going on there. As they watch God spin these people into confusion, hail stones down upon them, and then stand the still, sun still so that they can pursue them into the day until they're all taking a dirt nap. Listen, God can do anything in your life. He can do anything in your life. Do you believe Him for that? Because he, there are certain things He won't do if you won't believe Him. Jesus said that. He couldn't do many miracles in His own hometown because there was no faith. There was, it was full of unbelief. There's a balance in this. And we want to be right in the center saying, God, I'm believing you for it. I know you're big enough to, to help me overcome whatever it is I'm dealing with. But I'm trusting you in your will. That you know what's best for me. And so I submit to that. You will never go wrong if you stay right there. You will never go astray. You will never go on one side or the other. So stay there. Believe him. Ask him. Yes, go to him. Ask him, Lord, help me in these situations. And then believe him for it. But trust him with whatever he decides to do. We are to call upon Him, to invite Him into every situation in our lives. Don't face the battle alone. You will not be able to stand against darkness on your own, but because God is for you, darkness cannot stand against you. Listen, darkness will appear mightier, but it will not stand against the Lord. And lastly, we find here that darkness will eventually be choked out altogether. One day, there is a day of reckoning coming when all darkness will be exposed and there will be no more darkness. Look at verse 16. The five kings fled and hid themselves in the cave of Makeda, and it was told to Joshua the five kings had been found 
hidden in the cave at Makeda. And Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. But do not stay there yourselves. Pursue your enemies. Attack their rear guard. Do not let them enter their cities, for the Lord your God has given them into your hand. When Joshua and the sons of Israel had finished striking them with a great blow until they were wiped out, and when the remnant that remained of them had entered into the fortified cities, then all the people returned safe to Joshua at the camp at Makeda. Not a man moved his tongue against any of the people of Israel. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me uh, from the cave. And they did so and brought those five kings out to him from the cave. And the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon. And when they brought those kings out to Joshua, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and said to the chiefs of the men of war who had uh, gone with him, come near, put your feet on their necks of these kings. Then they came near and put their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, do not be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward, Joshua struck them and put them to death, and he hanged them on five trees. And they hung on the trees until evening. But at, that, at the time of the, the going down of the sun, Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees and threw them into the cave where they had hidden themselves. And they set large stones against the mouth of the cave, which remained to this very day. When the kings realized that they were defeated, they tried to hide. They tried to hide themselves. That never works out. Trying to hide darkness from the Lord is like trying to hide chocolate from a woman. It doesn't happen. <laughs> Forget that. Listen, I've tried it. My wife can smell chocolate a mile away on my breath. It's like, whoa, is that chocolate? Listen, <laughs> the temptation for you and I when we're overtaken by darkness is to hide. That's the natural response of the flesh is to try and hide it, to try and conceal it, to go in a cave and isolate yourself away from the body of Christ and just conceal your sin because you don't want anybody to know that you're a sinner. Guess what? They already know. They already know you're a sinner and sinners sin. The wrong thing to do when you're overtaken by darkness is to hide. That's how you give the devil power over you. When you start to hide the darkness that you're being routed by and you're not being transparent about it and you're not finding uh, someone that God's put into your life to be your, your Paul, you know, that you're going to saying, hey man, I'm struggling with this or that. I need some help. Would you pray for me in this area? Would you keep me accountable? When you try and conceal that from people, the enemy has a heyday with you because now you're like David who is trying to hide his sin and he has to keep digging the hole. You know, Uriah came home and you know what, he had that thing happen with Bathsheba, but he could have dealt with it right then, but no, he keeps digging a hole. Stop digging. When you find yourself being overtaken by darkness, don't continue, don't, don't regress and hide. Don't flee. Bring it forward. Bring it out so that the enemy can't have power over you because he uses that, man. And he uses, oh, you can't go back now. Look at you. Look how far you've, 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 um, you've gone. You've been hiding for years. Don't tell anybody about that sin. They'll never be able to trust you again. Really? Because last time I checked, we're all messed up. Is that right? I think we are. And I think the reality is that Jesus Christ is the unifier, and that's why we're all in this room together. And he is the one that changes our life. But when there's something powerful about when the body of Christ binds together and deals with darkness that is unlike anything the world could ever muster up against. Like the enemy could never fight against that because there is nothing to bring out. But when you're hiding this relationship that you're in that you're not supposed to be in or you're hiding this thing that you've done that, you're not, that you ought not be hiding that you need to bring out and, and deal with, the enemy just can toy with you. And that's what he does. And so listen, God wants us to be transparent about our sin, not only with him, but the Bible also says to confess your sins one to another. Why? Accountability. 
God wants us to be accountable. And that is a nasty word today. People, people what's well, accountability? Wait a second, man. You mean you're going to check on me, man? Well, yeah. Isn't that what brothers do? We love each other enough that we're checking on it. Isn't that what sisters do? We keep each other accountable, man. I don't want you to fall because the enemy is out there and he is trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And he is trying to just devour you. And so I love you enough that I'm saying, hey, if there's stuff in my life, I want to have that Paul in my life that I can go to and say, hey, I'm struggling, man. I need help. And, and you know, let the older uh, women teach the younger women. Let the older men teach the younger men. We should be doing that. We should be teaching each other not to hide our sin, but to, to confess our sin, to run to the Lord quickly when it happens. I hope there's someone in your life that you can be transparent with. I hope you have a brother or sister in your life. If your guy needs to be a guy, if your girl needs to be a girl, but if you have somebody in your life that you can entrust anything with and to know that they are not going to use that against you. Listen, I have a couple brothers in my life like that that know my deepest, deepest, darkest sins, that know the things that no one else would know that I have said, I want you to keep me accountable in these areas. Listen, we all need it. We all need that. And so uh, if you're here this morning and you're saying, yeah, you know, I've been hiding my sin and I know that I'm just waiting for it to come out at any moment. That's the devil. He's, he's routing you. Don't let him do that. God has placed you in a body of believers that can surround you and help you through whatever it is that you're dealing with. But you need that accountability. You need the, that tangible body, you know, that, that person in your life that you can look eyeball to eyeball with and say, you know what? This is what's going on in my life. You need that. And God has provided you that. There's someone you know that has even come to your mind even right now. They're saying, that's my person and I need to get with them. Listen, God is constantly knocking on our hearts and he's saying, don't let darkness overtake you. Don't hide the darkness. Get, get out, you know, bring the darkness out. You're not fooling anyone. The Lord knows. You could fool me and big deal. Who cares? Who am I? But you can't fool the Lord. He sees everything. David said in Psalm 139, 7 through 12, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness that is not dark to you and the night is bright as day for darkness is as light with you. Darkness cannot be hidden from the Lord. The Bible is promised us, be for, sin, be for sure your sin will find you out. It will. Because your darkness is as light to God. He sees it. And it's glaring him in the face. For John 1.5 says this. Thank you, Dory, for posting that a couple days ago. I, I got this scripture from her. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness cannot overcome light. And so when you run to the light with your darkness, the darkness can't come overcome the light. Jesus is the light that we run to who has overcome all darkness in our lives. And so that's what we want to do. We want to run to Him. God sees it all. And so it's useless to try and hide it from Him. God tells Joshua, for whatever reason, in this moment, he's told him to wipe everyone out. Don't leave a, a, a soul standing. Why? Because they've been given a chance, and they're dark, and they've made their decisions. So the Lord is in judgment mode at this point when it comes to the land of Canaan. If any of these people would have turned to him, like Rahab did, God would have welcomed them into the family. But they have chosen. They've hardened their hearts against the Lord, and so he's made their decisions sure and so we told Joshua, you go in and you wipe them all out because we can't have darkness in the camp because, uh, you know, a little yeast leavens the whole lump. There's a little sin in the camp. It just makes its way through the camp altogether. So he tells them to wipe them out. And, 
and, and Joshua goes and he finds these five kings there. And they're hiding in this cave. And so he brings them out and he tells the chiefs of Israel to step on their necks. That seems kind of cruel, I know. Why would he do that? Because this is a sobering reminder that all darkness will eventually be choked out. All darkness will be stepped upon by the foot of Jesus Christ. There is a day of reckoning coming where God himself will step on the necks of those who will reside in darkness, will not accept the light that he has given through Jesus. And that is reality. And as Joshua has these guys do this, it's interesting the words that he says. It's the very words that God told him in Joshua chapter 1 where he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. It's an illustration that God is giving here. And he's telling them that every place that the foot of their soul shall tread upon, he has given them. Now here's the deal. Not everybody's in the same level of faith in the children of Israel. Not everybody's operating at the same level. So what Joshua has gone from a man that was fear-filled, he was a fear-filled follower, saying, I'm, just, I'm following you, but I'm tentative about it, but I'm going to do it. That's why God continued to tell him, Joshua, don't be afraid. Don't, you, know, you just keep doing what I tell you to do. Three times in chapter 1. But he's transitioned from a fear-filled follower to a faith-filled warrior. And so now, as he is built up in faith, uh, you know, and understanding the plan that God has for him, he then starts to, um, you know, evangelize those within Israel saying, hey, God is with you. God will, God will see you through this. You can watch him move in your life and know that you can trust him because he's at work. And so Joshua is saying, you need to have your faith built. Build up your faith. And the question is, which one are you today? Are you one of the Israelites that you're saying, man, I need faith. I need to believe God. I need to trust God more. Are you a Joshua that's saying, hey, let me, let me encourage you to build up your faith. Are you pouring into somebody that trusts God more in whatever circumstance they want? You know, God wants you to transition. And he wants you to be that faith-filled warrior. And he's given you the ability to do it. You know, he wants you to grow. But it does take, it does take you know, it does take the whatever, the trials and the testing and those things to build your faith. I remember when I first started walking with the Lord that my faith was little. In fact, I don't know that I was really trusting the Lord all that much. I was just kind of doing my own thing. But as I continue to walk with the Lord and listen to His voice and did what He said, I see faith started to build in me. And you see that in your life too. He didn't have you face Goliath day one, right? I mean, like He just did stuff for you. Remember that? When you first got saved, like God just started doing stuff and you're just like, whoa, he was teaching you to trust him. As a little, you know, little infant in Christ, he was training you up. He was bottle feeding you. But eventually comes that place where you get teeth and he says, I, I want you to take some solid food now. You start to bite and you start to eat. Now the trials get a little bit bigger. The faith becomes, you need a little bit more faith. And, and he's saying, I'm going to, I want to watch you grow. Where are you today in that situation? Where are you in that transition? Are you still back at square one because there are many, many Christians that never leave that place where they are just, they are fear-filled followers of Jesus Christ. Not that they're not believers, but they have no faith in terms of when they encounter trials or whatever they go through in their lives, you know, they're, they're afraid and they, they seize up, they become paralyzed and the Lord says, no, I've given you victory in that. How many times do we have to go over this? Let's go over it again because I love you and you're a little kid and I want to help you, I want to nurture you. But where are you today? God wants you to grow. He doesn't want you to stay the same. And I don't care if you're, you know, if you're Paul in your faith today and, you, you know, you're getting stoned and you walk, not, not you know, not, not in our day, stoned, you know what I mean, but like stoned back in this, the Old Testament stone kind of thing. But may, maybe you're, you know, to the degree of Paul in your faith, you think God wants him to stop growing? No, he's going to push him forward into even more things. I don't care where you are today in your faith. God is calling you to grow. And he's calling you to, to, to continue to either pour back into somebody else's life that's, that's the, the, the weaker vessel that's saying, man, I'm afraid. I am 
I, I need somebody to pour into my life, you know. I need that encouragement to continue to press forward like Joshua is doing because he once was that man. And so, you know what? Wherever you find yourself today, God is calling you to go further. Like he wants you to walk a little bit further. So don't grow stagnant in your walk with the Lord. Joshua did not do that. And in fact, we'll see here, we'll close in the next two, two weeks or so, we'll, we'll end this up, but we'll see that from, from this day forward, he is never the same, man. He has grown tremendously in the Lord. And we'll watch him just serve the Lord and get to Joshua at the end of the, 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 um, the book, and he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't care what stands before me because my God is bigger, amen? Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for just the encouragement this morning, God, to defy the darkness in our lives through the cross, through the blood of the Lamb that was slain for us, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness that we gain through confession of faith in Jesus Christ, through our profession of who He is, what He's done for us, that He lived sinlessly, He died sacrificially and he rose victoriously for all of us and we thank you this morning god that we can proclaim that victory in our lives not because of who we are but because of what jesus has done your word tells us lord that it's by by grace through faith that we come to you lord and so this morning lord no matter where we find ourselves whether we're fear fear-filled followers or we're we're faith-filled warriors god or we are happen to be somebody that's not sure about their faith at all. You're asking us to take a step forward today. And you're saying, I want you to grow and I want you to move from where you are to the place that I have for you. And it's going to take a little faith in, on our part. And this morning, I, as I was just praying through this, Lord, you just, there are those in this place that need just a refreshment of your spirit in their lives, that they're a little bit stagnant in their walk with you. And you're, you've promised us, Lord, that any one of us, if we want, if we desire the Holy Spirit, that all we need to do is simply come and ask you and that you'll pour out your Spirit upon us. And so regardless of where you find yourself today, the Lord is going to ask you to take a stand this morning. As you continue to pray and the Lord stirs in your heart, if, if you want to be baptized with the Spirit this morning and you're saying, I just need a refreshment of the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are. And we're going to ask the Lord to just fill you. I'm standing. I need it in my life. And I don't know if you need it in your life, but God is just asking you to just take a stand of faith this morning and say, hey, Lord, I want to be refreshed in your Spirit. I want, your, I want to grow from where I am, Lord. I want to... Um, Take the next step, and I'm not even sure what that is, but I'm going to stand here today, and I'm going to believe that you're going to meet me where I am. And I'm going to trust you with the outcome of whatever this means for my life, but I want to take a stand for you. And I'm asking you this morning, Lord, to just reach in my life. So if that's you, just stand to your feet. I'll give you one more minute, and we're just going to ask for the Lord to just fill you with the Spirit this morning. God will strengthen you like you've never seen in your life. He wants you to grow way beyond where you are. He has a walk for you that is far beyond anything you could ever hope or dream of. And yet it will take faith. And so, Lord, you see every person in this place this morning that's standing. And that, this is a declaration to you, God, that's saying, Lord, you know my heart. You see right where I am. You know I want to grow. You know I want to receive more of you in my life. God, I want to... Go beyond where I am today. And Lord, this is our way of saying to you, just come and fill us with your Spirit, Lord. Rain down your Spirit upon us, Lord, and empower us, God, to go beyond uh, the places that we've been, God. We want to go to new heights with you. We want to go to greater depths with you this morning, God. We're asking you to pour your Spirit out, to, to, to equip us with spiritual giftings, Lord, and give us the faith this morning to operate in the giftings that you have given us. And we thank you, God. We're gladly receiving, even right now, your spirit being poured out. 
And we ask you to help us, Lord, to, to stay on the lit path, Lord, to, to be the light to the dark places, Lord, to not cower to darkness at all, Lord, but stand victoriously through the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for meeting us where we are. And for the rest of us here, Lord, you know our hearts. And we, we just ask you to continue to move in your, by your spirit in this place, Lord. We thank you for defying darkness on our behalf. And Lord, now help us to go out and be those faith-filled warriors to pour back into those who need to know Jesus, to pour back into those who are uh, discouraged and need uh, just a fresh wind of fire in their lives. Lord, may you use us this week to accomplish your purpose. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.